Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. So as we come to hear the word, I just wanted to read you the parable of the farmer scattering seed. And it says in Matthew 13, um, that they sat, Jesus sat and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables. And he said, listen, a farmer went to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much that had been planted. And then it goes on to say, the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it, and the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or persecuted for believing God's word. And the seed that fell among thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produced a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much had been planted. And um, my encouragement to you is to listen to what Claire's got to say so it goes deep into your hearts. Thank you, Sarah. Hasn't she done well tonight? Come on, let's give her a massive round of applause. If you don't know, and if you're new to us or you're coming back after a couple of times, this is Sarah's first time out leading and she's done a great job. And what a way to set up a message of the parable of the sower because it's so powerful. And actually, I don't think I've ever had so many confirmations of a message than I've had with this one. Even in our time of prayer before we opened up this, this evening, JJ was talking about friendship and he's just talked about it again when sort of come back from Bonsall. It is really bright up here tonight, actually. I feel like, yeah, oh, I feel a bit blinded. But friendships are so important. Who likes going on holidays? Let's think about journeys. We know Kate definitely likes going on holidays. Like Tammy and Brendan do, Cherise does, I do. And I think a journey is a really interesting thing. And God's been talking to me a lot about journeys and the people that we journey with through our time with him and as followers of Christ as we go through the seasons of our lives. And it got me thinking about a journey that I did with my son, Harry. Back at the beginning of this year, well, sort of like springtime, we went to New York in April. And the joy of planning this trip with my son, it was for his 21st birthday, um, but we went when he was 23 because of lockdown. And there was such joy. And we were planning together. We were excited together. The day that we were going on holiday, we got in the car. There was loads and loads of excitement. What are we going to see? What are we going to eat? Who are we going to meet? And we got on the plane, and that excitement continued. Now, 
I'm really blessed to be going out to the States next month. I'm off to Texas to see friends. But the difference of planning this on my own, booking my own flight, Harry, well, I booked, to be fair, I booked the whole trip when I went with Harry, but it was more about the journey and the excitement. Now, Victoria, who I'm going out to see, she's excited for me to go, and I'm definitely excited to see her. But when I get in the car to go to Heathrow, I'll be on my own. I won't have that that exciting conversation going on. Harry's worried to death about me getting on the plane because I'm easily distracted. I'll go through um, um, duty-free, and he'll be like, where has my mother gone? I'm looking at something shiny and sparkly or a nice lip gloss. Anybody that knows me well, I love my lip glosses. And he's, just, he's absolutely worried to death I'm not going to get on the plane. So a companion for the journey brings us joy. It brings excitement. It brings love. When we travel alone, it's a slightly different journey. And that is the title of my message this evening, Companions for the Journey. We're well into our prayer and fasting campaign as a church, and it was so great last week to hear the lovely Tom and the lovely Sam's testimony. If you weren't here, they were talking about how they were getting closer to God during these 21 days. But what struck me most was their decision to do it together, to be companions on the journey with one another. They have committed and agreed. Is it the book of John? Am I right? The Gospel of John that they're going to read together and each day they're going to hear each other's interpretations. Having that support on the journey is critical and it's so good the both of you being willing and able to commit to one another on this brilliant journey of fasting and praying to see what God's going to do next in your lives. We have the prayer meetings as a church at 7am each morning on Zoom. Unfortunately I can't join them, I start work around that time but I know that they've been really well attended. Again, companions for the journey, sharing, praying together, praying for different things on different days. It's so important. You know, if you're on a Daniel fast or if you're doing the soul fast or a full fast, there are different groups that you can join. If you're not connected into any of these groups, can I please encourage you to do so whilst you're on this fasting and praying journey? Because if you're starting to falter, companions for the journey will give you that boost. They will help you along in your journey. And you know, they will share things with you that they're struggling with as well. You're not on your own. So please do get connected. There isn't, you know, there's plenty of time to go. And fasting isn't easy, is it? Who's fasting in the room? Yeah, me. I'm starving. Literally. I've got a 24-hour fast at 8 o'clock. Once we're finished, I'm going straight to the biscuits. But it's all good because I've heard from God. I've had time with God. I feel him closer than I've felt for many years actually and we heard from Rod last week at our Ed Walton location in the morning he preached a message message on Jesus's time in the wilderness and how we were tempted by the devil when he was fasting you know we know Jesus went out he was isolated he was on his own and the devil saw his opportunity in this and severely tested Jesus by tempting him initially with food in Matthew 4 3 we read the tempter came to him and said if you are the son of God tell these stones to become bread but Jesus responds further on in the passage man shall not live by bread alone but on every word that comes out of God's mouth the devil then attempts to tempt Jesus further but Jesus stands firm and rebukes the devil at every step and as a result of following the 40 days fasting in the wilderness and isolation Jesus fulfills his call and starts his three-year ministry that has had an impact on all of us not only for today and as JJ said, with friendships for all of eternity as followers of Christ. Jesus was obedient to God's word 
And when the devil attempts to isolate us and persuade us to disobey God's word, because of, the, of course the devil knows God's word, but will use to try it to bamboozle and disorientate us. You know, fasting can disorientate us, it can confuse us, but when we stand on the word of God and with people that are on the journey with us, it helps us stay on a steady course. For those of you on the, who are fasting food on the complete fast or following the Daniel fast, how many times have you heard the whisper of temptation in your spirit? I have. It's like, go on, nobody will know. Have that biscuit, have that cup of tea with milk and sugar in it. For me, it's crisps. They're always crisps, and the devil knows it. But I know if I break my fast by doing something daft like that, I'll regret it, and I'll feel shamed, and I'll feel guilty. But that's another tool of the devil. No, God doesn't want you to feel shamed. It's okay, actually, if you break your fast. It's all right. We just get up and we go again. But the devil, when we're hungry, disorientated, isolated, he will do what he can to get in and take us off the path. You see, the devil appears to be at his worst, doesn't it, when we're alone. Lynn Tan, she's one of our uh, staff members. She's head of discipleship here at the Rock Church. One thing that always strikes me when Lynn leads a meeting is that she always talks about community. We can feel really strong and empowered when we're here at church, and as we should. We're a family. We're one body, many parts. But as the week goes on and life gets in, the devil attempts to take a foothold. And when we're hungry from fasting, he knows our defenses will be down and our spiritual strength weakens. You're not ever alone. You're never, ever alone. You've got people praying for you in this fasting campaign. You've got God with you above all else. The devil cannot take a foothold. But 1 Peter 5.8 reminds us, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith because you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. We're in this together. Yeah, one body, many parts. Lions attack sick, young or struggling animals. They choose victims who are alone or not alert, which is why I talk about being bamboozled. I love that word. I try and get it into all sorts of places. The devil tries to bamboozle and disorientate. Peter here warns us to look out for attacks when we're distracted or suffering. Fasting brings us closer to God. We hunger and thirst for him and seek him more through the process. But just be mindful. I just feel this word of caution in my spirit as I wrote this message, that hunger pangs can also be a distraction and pull us off the path. Buddy up, stay in community. Ask others to pray and have your back. This is what Sam and Tom are doing. They're buddying up, they're stronger together. And the, you know, it's so good when we do this, when we stick together, brothers and sisters having each other's backs. Another scriptural example is Eve. And when she was on her own in the Garden of Eden, the devil persuaded her to eat from the tree. Oh, naughty. He knew and chose the right moment to successfully lead her into temptation. He successfully persuaded her to lead Adam into sin. And as a result, of course, the fall impacted on all of us. I have this picture as I was writing the message and I was praying in the week of Eve tending the garden, toiling the soil, doing all the things that God asked her to do in this beautiful place. And then the serpent turns up. It always fascinates me that he can speak. Um, maybe all the, garden, the animals in the garden could speak. I don't know. Maybe that wasn't a shock to Eve. And he persuades her to eat from the tree. He will turn up when we at least expect it. She was, she was living the life that God planned and purposed for her with the very clear knowledge that she shouldn't eat from the tree. 
but he turned up when she was distracted. And of course, we know that she then led Adam into sin. Isolation and separation can be powerful when the devil gets in our head, but simply when we stand firm on our godly foundations connections, the devil has no power. He might try to tell you that he has. He may try and give you the illusion that he has power. But I'm here to tell you, and God through, God, through me, he has no power. I recently felt God impressing upon us as a congregation the importance of godly connections, and for me personally too, because we're in a season of preparation right now. Who feels that? Who feels God preparing us to do something really great for the kingdom? Because I do. With our three plants, God is preparing us. And with our word for the year B, calling us to rest and seek God and his plan and purpose for us. And the prayer and fasting campaign is critical to that. And I encourage you in your prayer time in this season to actively ask God, where is he leading you? But more specifically, who are you leading me to? But also, which is more tricky, who are you leading me away from? And we'll talk about that a bit later. So with that in mind, as we know, we've already seen friends, companions for the journey. I'm currently reading for the third time, God in My Everything. I love this book. Josh used it um, a little bit for his Sabbath preaching series. I came across it three years ago in my first year at Bible college and was actually, actually asked to write a paper on this book. And it's one of my go-to books about when I feel like I'm missing something. And these chapters in these books are life-giving. They really, really are. And it's by Ken Shigematsu, and he's a Canadian pastor, actually, that is very honest in the things that he writes in this book. And on his chapter on friendship, he says this, Friendship is a school of service for the Lord. In friendships, we have an ideal environment in which to grow the godlike qualities of love and loyalty, perseverance and courage. Jesus had all of these attributes, didn't he? He was, he was loving. He loved us first. He was loving. He was loyal. No matter what he was heading towards, he remained loyal to the people that he served and that he led. He did not waver from the path, and above all, he remained loyal to the Father. He persevered even in the struggle and in the suffering, and he had tremendous courage as he went to the cross and subsequently died for us, for all, you know, so we could be set free for all of eternity. So we are called, aren't we, to have the qualities of love, loyalty, perseverance, and courage in our friendships and in our walks with Jesus. Now, I'm an introverted extrovert, most definitely. I love people, and I love my friends. I value them beyond measure. I couldn't do life without them. But if I'm honest, I do need alone time every now and again. I live alone, so I think that actually supports the fact that I need time alone. But sometimes when we're in a couple, when we're married, we still need time to ourselves. And being an introverted extrovert, I can easily get people doubt. I love you all, I do, and I'm not saying that I don't want to talk to you, because I do. It's a very rare thing that I get people doubt, but it's part of my makeup. It's my God-given character and personality. And that's okay. You know, it's okay for us to be like that. I like my own company, as I said, so I'm not saying that we should be joined at the hip as a community. Some of us, including me, haven't always found it easy to make friends due to trust issues. You know, I had a difficult start in life. I had a difficult time growing up. So for me to trust people, I say used to trust people, that's not there anymore because God set me free from it. 
that's the thing. Sometimes it can be difficult to make friends when we have trust issues and sustain them and believe that people want to, you know, to receive that friendship as well. It can be really hard. I lived a very transient lifestyle. So I made very solid friendships very, very quickly. And then we were moved on. I was in the armed forces, if you don't know. And I've lived in all over, many places all over the world. And I used to move house every two to three years. And many friendships fell away. And when I was preparing and praying for this message, I said that to God. And I heard him whisper in my spirit, are you lonely? Very lovingly, are you lonely? And I'm like, no, Lord, I'm not. I'm definitely not lonely. But friends are important people to walk with us on the journey because we're, God, we're never alone God is always with us he's always our companion on the journey because God understands this and will only guide you if you let him to those who understand you build you up and encourage you notwithstanding we will come across some people people in our lives I think we've all come across those haven't we yeah the people that we can love with that we should love and we always love but the people that aren't like us that is okay because you see, deep friendships are God's plan. Having deep friendships with a handful of people is his plan. There are a number of passages in scripture that make this point somewhat directly, such as Acts 2, which talks about how devoted the early church members were to one another. The reason we had the Sabbath meal here a couple of weeks ago, if you missed it, we're really sorry that you do, because we would have loved to have had you with us. I know there was a number of people away. But it wasn't just to end the Sabbath series nicely. It was so we can start as a location to build community, to build friendships, to break bread together, to fellowship, and for our friendships to spill out into the outside of the four walls of the church. You know, Joss and I, we're going to be doing some get to know us, meet us things in, in November. So please do come along that. Come and build the friendships. Come and build the community. Come, you know, we, as we grow... You are the foundational people to this location. When we go, we're going to be the family that welcomes in others. So let's start getting to know each other, not just on a Sunday evening. Let's be family. Yeah, bear with me. I'm sorry, I've just had something drop into my spirit. I'm just weighing it up. But the fact is, the idea that we're in this together is so basic, it is more assumed often than stated. It emerges as we reflect on the idea that we've been made in the image of God, who has eternally existed in the friendship of himself. He is one God, but three persons. God has never been alone or lonely. And what he's just dropped into my spirit is Genesis 1, when God was hovering over the waters. I think it says, forgive me if I got that wrong. And then he said, bang, let there be light. He's never been alone. He's always been with Jesus. He's always been with the Holy Spirit. And I've heard that scripture so misrepresented at times is that he wasn't he didn't create us because he was lonely not in the slightest he created us so jesus could save us very back to front isn't it again the lord's prayer when we pray the lord's prayer it says our father the prayer doesn't say my father we are in this together the affirmation of our need for relationships grows too out of the fact that we are born into family Whatever our circumstances, we do not start out alone. We may have been born into difficult circumstances. I'm very sensitive to that. But somebody right at the beginnings of our life took care of us. And God planned that because you're never a mistake. Nobody in this room, nobody in the sound of my voice on the podcast, you were planned, you were purposed for God to put you on this planet. It, he loved you. He 
still loves you. He's always loved you. We can't survive the first two hours, few hours of life we're left alone. It's also true at the end of our lives that loneliness in adults impacts on life expectancy. It's a really sad fact that many elderly people in this country are so impacted by loneliness. Sadly, they, they just let go, that they don't want to keep going. I preached a, a message a few years ago about isolate your isolation, and I was shocked, actually, at the levels of loneliness in this country. We all need friends. We all need for companions for the journey. And I wonder, as we go through the message, or maybe in your prayer time, if God drops an elderly person into your spirit, it doesn't have to be within the, in the life of the church. Somebody maybe could just even say hello to. It would make their day. I come across a lot of elderly people in my journey at work, in hospitals, and they love it when you sit down and you speak to them. You know, it's, it's just so sad, isn't it? My mum's 81. She gave life to Jesus this time last year and was baptised. She's now out doing and serving, looking after the old people. She's 81. <laughs> you know, God is good and he will keep working right up until he calls us home. And Jesus modelled the need, need for close friendships. One of the very first things he did after beginning the public ministry was to select 12 disciples from among the broader group that travelled around with him. Within that group of 12, he was particularly close with three. And when life got really crazy, as it often does, he leaned into them. And when Jesus sent the disciples out, he never sent them alone. You know, the hub, you know, Kate and Ali, when they planted the Rock Church 13 years ago, it has evolved and it has grown. And they are a send church, but they don't send us out alone. You know, everyone, Kathy, myself, and Joss are well and fully supported by Kate and Ali. They're our friends, companions, and leaders on the journey. He never sends us out alone. Now, we need a variety of people in our lives, would you agree, for us to grow and to, and to walk in our purpose? <laughs> mentors. Who's got a mentor in the room? Yeah, me too. I've got four. <laughs> it's a bit greedy, I know, but they're all absolutely brilliant. So my mentors, I've got Kate, who's in the room now, who's my leadership mentor, really. She helps me in my journey. You know, it, we, we meet monthly, we talk things through. She, she may have to correct me at times, but that's all right, because it's done in love. I have an external mentor, Sue Mansfield, who used to be part of the NG Network. This woman is phenomenal. I've met with her once, and she has a 360 view of me that I've never even realized. <laughs> she took time. She's listened to the messages that I've preached. She's done research about me. And she, just in one, one session, an hour and a half with her about two weeks ago, was blown away. And I've already learned so much because she's walking with me for a year on this leadership journey. And then there's Irene. Many of you in the room will know Irene. If you don't, she's a um, head of pastoral care. She was my mentor for four years. And that woman walked with me, with Jesus, breaking off the worst things that you can ever imagine. And because of her and Jesus guiding me to her and her to me, I stand before you, the woman that I am this, morning, this evening. I thank God for her every single day. And she still speaks into my life now. She's my spiritual mum. She's the one that I go to when I'm lost, when I'm confused, when I need an answer. She's the one, and she prays for me continually. If you don't have a mentor, can I encourage you to connect with one? Come and speak to Kay or to Ali or to Kathy or to myself, and we can get you in touch with Lynn 
and she will match you with an amazing godly mentor. It says in Proverbs 13:20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. The interpretation of that is that for a mentor, somebody ahead of us in our journey or an older person that has lived life and experienced life, I'm 50 now. And when I look back on my life, when I think that I knew I had it all and got it all together, I couldn't have been more wrong. So a wise person is there to guide and speak truth into our lives. Even my mum at 81, her mentor's 93 in church. How awesome is that? We've got our beautiful Sybil that has been a member of the Rock Church for years and years. This is the most godly woman and when you speak to her, if you ever get a chance to speak to Sybil or sit with her and listen to her, I encourage you to do so because that woman has God through her, through and through. You know, our church elders, we've got Roderick. Who knows Roderick? Asking lots of questions tonight, aren't I? I have had the absolute blessing over the last three weeks to be in a car with um, Roderick on a Monday night. We're on a course. It's called the Leadership Circle. It's an NG network thing. And it's like I'm having a therapy session every single week. It is so awesome. He is so wise. And he prays before he gets in the car and he asks God what it is he needs to talk to me about. It's just amazing. <laughs> I get out of the car when we go home and I'm like, wow. I don't think I remember anything from the leadership circle, just mainly from what God's, uh, um, Rod is speaking into my lives. But because as an elder, that's what he's been ordained to do. He looks out for us. He's a watchman, and he's guiding me in ways that I didn't even know I needed. So, you know, that's somebody else. Time is ticking. Ministry partners. These are so important. Now, ministry partners are people that share your heart and vision with the God-given plan and purpose that he has given you. So, Joss and I are overseers of the location. We have been guided and connected by God to build his church now we are great friends we're best buddies who just happen to be in ministry together and I thank God for him because he has got his skill set I've got my skill set we're completely different sides of the coin he's Tigger most definitely I'm calm and but what God has done in bringing us together and guiding us together he's brought a couple of people two people that have the same heart and vision to build God's church see people saved reach out into community and to spread the gospel ministry partners are so important and your ministry whatever that may be in your life ask God ask him who it is he's guiding you to godly friends oh I want to say dream team nobody works alone those are people that share your vision and values and your in your heart for serving nobody works alone companions for the journey godly friends so important those that will love and pray for you even if you don't share your dream or goal they are there if you succeed or you fail when they walk in when others work walk out i've had this experience for most of my my walk with the, in the christian life and actually in the secular world you don't need hundreds of friends in the culture that we live in today we're told that you need these reams and reams and reams of friends great if you have that but you can only have deep connection and relationship with only a handful of people you don't want friends that will pull you down it's easier to be pulled down than to pull others up don't be that friend you may know what God wants you to do but the wrong friends can cause you to miss it I have an example I'm going to be very very quick about this when I was in the armed forces I was always invited after I left um, to reunions and recently a friend of mine has come back into my life 
and it, he invited me to a reunion. And I thought that'd be nice to go to, and there was going to be a mess do, you know, get dressed up, have a really nice time. And then I realised, actually, I'm not that woman anymore. And he couldn't understand it. Yeah, if I'd have let the devil get into my head, and I'd have gone along to this mess do, it was actually last night, and I decided not to go. That's fine for them, for those that choose to do that. But I now know that I'm on a different path. I'm a new creation. I'm not part of that world any longer. I love my friends. I would love to see them. But I'm not willing to put myself in a place where my integrity potentially could be questioned. Because that could pull me off the path that God has got me on. Yeah, it's very easy to do. Because God wants us to live a fulfilled life. But some people won't. This friend doesn't understand it. He's quite cross with me at the minute. He can't understand why I'm following Jesus. But I'm praying for him that he will come to understand that and come to know Jesus for himself. I mentioned at the beginning of the message during this time of fasting and prayer, ask God what, who it is that he wants in your life and who is he highlighting that may be hindering your journey, as he did for me. I had a massive conviction from the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to put a word of caution here. I am not suggesting that you go out of here and cut your friendships out of your life that you think or you don't feel are feeding you. But ask God, pray that he may gently reveal during this time connections and friendships that are not healthy for us. God wants us to take us into his full plan and purpose for our lives. And sometimes, sadly, that is a painful process. I've been there. When I first became a Christian, my friends fell away like I couldn't believe. They didn't like the change in me. Again, I wasn't going to go out drinking every, every weekend. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it anymore. And they fell away. But what God did is he brought godly friends into my life those that build me up encourage and help me on my journey there are friends that tell you hard truths my goodness they're hard to hear but they are worth their weight in gold one of my bible school buddies sarah has the ability to, to speak well-aimed incisive truths that as a friend at times i need to hear not only does Sarah see and name the good things in me that I don't see or have forgotten, she sometimes points out my rough edges. We've all got rough edges and blind spots in our lives, such as my tendency to ruminate on things. I'm terrible for that. I go over and over and over stuff. What could I have done better? Oh my goodness, I don't believe I said that. What if this? What if that? And she will stop me in my tracks. And she also considers me a workaholic. She's not wrong. <laughs> I saw her a few weeks ago when I was in Cornwall on holiday, and she very quickly picked up that I was heading for burnout. And she gently reminded me that should I drop or I become ill, the world will move on without me. So yeah, we all need friends like that in our lives. She also tells me things that I don't want to hear, which can be really hard to hear. But the, in Proverbs, it says, the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses of an enemy even if it doesn't feel like it at the time. Sarah also makes me laugh harder than anyone I have ever met when she's being honest with me. And if I'm being honest, she's always right. None of us have a 360 perspective on our lives, and I'm grateful for her love and correction. And she carries it out in the most supportive and beautiful way. We can give hard truths, but we need always to do it in love. A true friend will name the attitudes and actions that are causing us to drift from God, even as they actively point us to God. The purpose of spiritual friendship is for us to grow in our love for Christ. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, and I'm very aware of this. That's all very lovely, Claire. But I don't have those types of friendships that you're talking about. I've been there. 
I've been lonely. I'm not lonely now. I've been isolated. I've been hurt. I haven't wanted to put my heart on the line again for other people. But I believe this evening that God is highlighting friendships so he can equip us to seek one. So let's first of all pray that God would give you a friend. I'm sure you've all got friends in the room. In scripture, we see repeatedly how God orchestrates the coming together of friends. David and Jonathan are one of the greatest friendships in the Bible. Jonathan had David's back at every single angle. They should have been sworn enemies. Jonathan was David's armor bearer. He had his back, he followed him into battle. He took care of him, they prayed together, they loved one another. Ruth and Naomi, the scripture says, where I go, you will go. Well, not the right way around. But what that is, is that they were together completely and utterly on the journey. Paul and Barnabas in the New Testament church supported and encouraged one, another's, one another. And of course, Jesus and his disciples. Jesus had friends. He needed friends. So why would we not need the same? Our friends are gifts from God, and we can pray that God will fulfill his plan and draw us into the friendship he has ordained for us. Because this is all planned. It's all ordained. The people that you're going to meet on the God-given plan and purpose he has for your life, look out for them, pray for them, ask him to guide you to them. We also see bad connections in Scripture. Samson and Delilah. Delilah took Samson off the path. He had so much given to him by God. He was a judge. He was a leader. Yet Delilah took him down. We don't want that for you. Judas Iscariot, friend of Jesus, who betrayed him and sent him to the cross. Jesus knew that was going to happen, but yet he still loved him. Secondly, ask people to do things with you and initiate opportunities to deepen the relationship. As an introverted extrovert, this is out of my comfort zone much of the time, but God has directed me this year to be brave and courageous and do just that. And I've had some wonderful times with some wonderful people in this church. You know, meals, walks, just time out, just together, sharing our lives, talking about Jesus. Being intentional can make such a difference. Sometimes all that prevents two people from forming into or entering into a spiritual relationship is an initial conversation. It just takes courage and bravery to say, do you fancy a copper? Do you fancy going for a walk? You know, Joss and I, we are great friends, truly. And we've built a brilliant friendship over 18 months. And the day that he walked into the tub, actually, God told me to pray for him. And I was like, okay, I will pray for him. I was obedient. I didn't understand why God was asking me to pray for him. But 18 months down the line, he's my ministry partner. God knew that. He knew that our hearts and our spirits were aligned for what God was calling us to do. Don't miss those cues from God. It is so important. Finally, be a friend to others. Jesus had about 1,000 days to save the world. And though he knew all 12 of the disciples would bail on him and two would betray him, he spent most of his three years of his ministry with them, and over the three and a half years, they became friends. In a world where friendship has been reduced to friends, lists on social media and images of holidays and celebrations replaced real-time conversations, meetups don't take place anymore. I don't see my family anymore. It's all over social media. Can I ask you tonight, make the decision to swim against the current of our culture. Form true friendships. 
commit to others, lift them up and let them into your life. Speak hard truths in love. Laugh, play and point people to God. This will not simply happen through our own efforts, but a gift we receive from God. In this time of prayer and fasting, let us commit to deepen our friendship with God so we, in turn, can deepen our friendship with others. I'm going to finish by reading John 15, 12 to 17. And God firmly placed this on my heart. And actually, Sarah brought the earlier part of the message earlier about bearing fruit before I got up. See, God is speaking, isn't he, Sarah? It's what he does. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Now we're going to move into a time of worship. And I wonder, as we sing the last song, and we stand with me as we prepare our hearts, it's yes, the, the song is yes and amen about God's promises. And I wonder if you have struggled to make friendships or you're struggling to let one go. What is it that God is going to be talking to you about? Do you need to be strong? Do you need to be brave? Do you need to be courageous? Kate and Ali are going to be available for prayer once Sarah's wrapped up the meeting. Things can be hard to let go of, but God only wants what is good and right and best for you. So let's just take a moment to listen to the whisper of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and commit to friendship with the Lord our God. Amen.